again, the biggest is that that tax-free growth. Um, I mean, if tax rates double, who cares? If you got your money in a Roth IRA and the IRS jacks up marginal tax rates, it doesn't matter to you because you've already got it in there. And it's just the compounding interest of tax-free dollars is extremely powerful. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. Well, thanks for joining us again on Perfect Game Retirement. I'm Ben George alongside Ryan Ledden. And today we're talking about IRAs, traditional versus Roth. A big conversation, I think, right now uh, among many investors trying to figure out which direction they want to go. Should you be putting more of your money into Roth? Is traditional still the best route? maybe a mix of both. So we're going to go through that and explain the differences for you today with Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, man? Good to be back on with you. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Uh, doors are open and we started seeing people in, in person now. And so enjoying that and just getting back to a little bit of normalcy. It's great. So you told me you were, you got your first softball tournament coming up, huh? Or yeah, excited. Softball game. Uh, my, yeah, my daughter's 10, uh, 10 and under softball team. We, I don't know how good we're going to play, but uh, <laughs> we've had a few crash courses of, of uh, practices and going over situations. And I think a lot of that information has fallen out of their brains. And so we've, <laughs> we've had to basically start over from scratch. So it should be interesting, but I'll be glad to get back out on the field for sure. Are you coaching that team? I am. I am. Okay. I, and that's kind of goes back to my, my past from uh, being a high school baseball coach. I mean, this is essentially why one big reason why I got out of teaching and, and going into this industry is the f- little bit more of a flexibility of time. So yeah, the, I knew, I knew once I stopped coaching my high school guys that I was going to shift focus. If my kids and my kids were young at the time, so I didn't know if they were going to play sports. Obviously, I was hoping they would, but mm-hmm. I knew if they did, I would want to be involved. That's awesome. Well, that gets me gets me thinking a little bit. It kind of ties into our kind of getting to know you question today. And we we ask Ryan questions that are kind of away from uh, finance to get to know more about him and and his family and his uh, his personality and such. But I'm sure getting on the field and coaching your kids kind of brings up a lot of you know your your past where you were on the field and kind of growing up in those old little league days and that sort of thing. Is there anything uh, maybe that or beyond playing sports that from your past really gets you nostalgic uh, on a regular basis? Well, there there are other aspects of, of my life, but you kind of hit the nail on the head. So it was kind of a good, it was a good lead in because my sports past definitely is something that, that comes up, uh, kind of pops in my head. I don't, I don't talk about it much uh, unless people ask me, but I don't really share a whole lot. But internally, uh, I talk with my kids about it, but internally I think about it. But I mean, some of my best memories are from playing sports. Obviously, I'm, uh, baseball was kind of my main thing, but I played football and basketball growing up, but baseball just kind of has that uh, special place in my heart and a lot of experiences that I had. And I, I, I keep going back and that's kind of leading into the question that you asked earlier is, is coaching my kids because I want them to have uh, some of those experiences that, that I have that I carry with me all the time. Now, I don't live in the past. I don't, I'm not a glory days kind of guy at all. I definitely look forward, but it's good to reflect uh, on the past. And some of my fondest memories are, are winning championships. And I know it's not all about it, but when you compete, that's what you strive for. And, and some people are fortunate to win championships and some people are great players and they just may end up on on teams that aren't quite uh, successful enough to, to do that. But And I won championships. I mean, I got – this is not bragging because it's a team sport, but I think I have – 
four uh, championship rings that I never wear. I keep them in my drawer at home and my son likes to look at them, but the one, and I've won them at every level. And, but the one that just, I can still remember the feeling that I had is winning the state championship at Parkview High School in 1996. Now, obviously Jeff Francoeur came later, so they won quite a few and they've won a lot since then, but we were the first one to win. And it was kind of like Parkview baseball was good, but just couldn't quite get over the hump. And finally we did my senior year. And it was with a group of guys, every single one of them, with maybe the exception of one player we played with my entire life. And so it wasn't like we were recruiting like you know, high schools get mm-hmm. blamed for these days. It was yeah. a true, I mean, from, from T-ball all the way up, we played with the same group of guys. So I just remember that feeling at the bottom of a dog pile uh, when we won the state championship. I just, that feeling was just, it was unbelievable. And I'll never forget that feeling. And I just, I would love it for my kids to have a slice of that, um, of that feeling of accomplishment with a group of your buddies that you were with your, your entire life. Um, and, and a few years later, I won a championship at the professional level. It was awesome, but completely different feeling. I yeah. mean, completely different. But going to battle with a bunch of guys in the same locker room, that I, I do think about that a lot, and I do miss that. Yeah, I bet. That's a pretty cool story and, and pretty cool uh, memory to have growing up with those guys and, and being able to accomplish something like that. Pretty cool. Uh, well, look, today we're going to talk about traditional versus Roth IRA. And remember, Ryan is the president and financial coach over at Black Oak Asset Management. So anything we talk about today, if you want to discuss further, you know, always welcome to reach out to him, contact him uh, online, blackoakam.com or on the phone, 470-508-0508. And he'll be happy to kind of work through these things and help you make a decision that works for you. We're going to try to maybe define these a little bit and kind of talk about the strategies that works for both and help you figure out why you should choose maybe one over the other or devote more of your money towards one or the other. So let's hop into it and just kind of start off just directly, Ryan, traditional versus Roth. Explain the difference between both of these. Yeah, the biggest difference is, and most people know this, I mean, you can Google search anything now, but uh, you know, the big difference between the two, a traditional IRA is going to be your pre-tax dollars. It's, it's money that you have not paid tax on. You may have gotten the tax deduction for the current year that you contributed to it, or maybe not, which we'll get into in a second. But most of that money inside a traditional IRA is going to be dollars that have not been taxed yet. So uh, the IRS is going to get theirs. It's just a matter of when do you pay it now or do you pay it later? And, and for the most part, a traditional IRA is money that you have not paid tax on now, but you will pay tax later when you do take that money out, whether that's hopefully in retirement or if you take it out early, there's going to be taxes involved. Uh, Obviously, the Roth is the complete opposite of that. You don't get the tax deduction for the current year that you are in, but that money continues to grow and it grows tax-free. With a few caveats, you know, know, 59 and a half, you need to leave it in there and there's a five-year rule where you need to, if you start a Roth later in life, it needs to be in there for five years before the whole thing is completely tax-free. But so that's the main difference between the two. And I use an analogy a lot of times, and I think I've said it on the show before, it's you're paying tax on the seed or you're paying tax on the harvest. So which one would you rather, would you rather pay the tax on? Well, the Roth, you're paying tax on the seed and you're collecting the harvest. The traditional IRA is flipping it around. So, and that's what I ask my clients is what would you rather pay tax on? You know, and it's different for everybody. Most people like the analogy and they want to pay tax up front 
on a smaller amount and then let that money grow. And then you take that money out tax-free depending. And the biggest thing is where are tax rates going to go? And we've talked yeah. about this before as well. That's a big, big thing I'm passionate about. If tax rates go really, really high, then okay, that traditional IRA, you're at the mercy of, of what Congress is going to do to you. So why do you think people have, have contributed so much more to traditional IRAs over Roth? Um, you know, because that seems like it's always been, you know, maybe the, the most common investment vehicle for a lot of people when it comes to retirement. But, you know, it seems like it, right now, especially, it seems obvious that Roths might be a better uh, use of your money with the way the tax rates are. Yeah. And, and there's a there's a lot of different reasons why. I mean, you look at most people's uh, retirement portfolio and you're right. The lion's share is in a traditional IRA. And usually for the most part, that is because people have rolled over old 401ks and most of the time they've only had access to a 401k that only is pre-tax. Well, more and more companies now are offering the Roth 401k. So that has now started to shift a little bit where if people leave a company and they they contributed, the employee contributed with after-tax dollars inside their 401k, then that portion gets rolled over to the Roth IRA and any employer match is pre-tax because uh, that's a business deduction for them. So it's a business expense that's rolled over to a traditional IRA. So you kind of split them uh, based off of how much you contributed. So most people do have uh, their money in a traditional because of that 401k plan is set up on a pre-tax basis. And when these 401ks were set up in the early 80s, tax rates were in the 70s. And, and if you look at, okay, I can I'm in a high tax rate. So the old adage was, if you're in a higher tax rate while you're working, well, then put it in pre-tax. You get the tax deduction and then take it out later when you're in a lower tax bracket, which makes absolute perfect sense. Um, And so people were not doing anything wrong by doing that. And they're still not doing anything wrong because they're at least saving money. But the thing is now tax rates are so low that people a lot of times are going into retirement and they're in the exact same tax bracket or if they're not, they're maybe just slightly lower. So the, the tax break wasn't that big of a deal in the first place. So a lot just has to do with history and our mindset has not changed or we just don't have access to that Roth 401k component. I got you. So that's a pretty good background on the two and, and what they are. You know, maybe if people are kind of making the decision, like, which one do I want to go? Okay, I know I understand the tax aspect of this. Help me understand kind of why this Roth can be so powerful right now for a lot of people if they decide to go this route. Right. I mean, like I said, the tax component is probably a number one, but leaving that out of it, there's just, there's a little bit more options when it comes to a Roth IRA. And what I mean by that, that has nothing to do with the investments. It's just simply stating if you're contributing to a Roth IRA, and this is not the ideal scenario, but if you needed money out of your Roth IRA, well, technically you can take out what you put in to the Roth and not pay any taxes or penalties on that. I mean, that's, you check the IRS website, it says it. So it's basically you're taking your principal amount or your cost basis out. So you're, you're allowed to do that because it's an after-tax contribution. You're allowed to take that out. Now, again, where it gets kind of clouded and penalties and taxes is when we start taking growth out before 59 and a half. But again, that's something on an individual basis. And obviously your, your CPA is going to be able to help help out with that as well. But it does allow for some more leeway, I guess, if you will. Uh, also to first time home buyers, you can take up to $10,000 out, out of a Roth IRA to use it for a home purchase. Uh, and that's growth principal, everything included up to $10,000. 
And also, too, a big component is is you can pay for college expenses out of it for for your for your child. Uh, so there's a lot of little nuances that the Roth can be so powerful. But again, the biggest is that that tax free growth. Um, I mean, if tax rates double, who cares? If you got your money in a Roth IRA and the IRS jacks up marginal tax rates, doesn't matter to you because you've already got it in there. And it's just the compounding interest of tax free dollars is extremely powerful. Yeah, no question. So I'm sure you you probably talk to people quite a bit about. You know, which one they should choose, clients that come in or prospective clients that are in, in there within your office talking to you about this thing. But can you kind of give me an idea, uh, maybe kind of generally speaking, when you're talking about, hey, you should go this route versus this route. Let's start with Roth over traditional. Who's somebody that maybe kind of fits that that uh, that category? Hey, you should be going Roth rather than traditional. Yeah. And, and this, this could be a, um, a pretty complex answer, but I'll, I'll kind of keep it high level. But from a Roth perspective and, and us being Dave Ramsey advisors, I mean, we agree with kind of his pecking order, if you will, from a, a contribution standpoint to retirement is, you know, Dave always talks about, hey, if you have access to a retirement plan and there's a match, grab that match, go up to whatever that match is. If it's 3%, 4%, 5%, whatever it is. And there's a whole bunch of different combinations there, but get that match, get the full match and then pause, push the pause button. And if you can, from an income standpoint, because there are income limits on a Roth IRA, but if you can contribute to a Roth, then try to max that out, which is $6,000 this year for anyone under the age of 50 or $7,000 anyone over the age of 50. So try to do that to where you're getting to the point of you're maxing those out. Because when it comes to a traditional IRA, if you have access to a retirement plan, a 401k, a 403b, whatever the the numbers are, the type of plan that you have at work, if you do have access to a retirement plan, contributing to a traditional IRA may or may not be deductible for you. And, And I know that sounds confusing, like, wait a minute, how can I contribute to a traditional IRA and it not be deductible. Well, there's plenty of plenty of ways. And so you'll have money inside of a traditional IRA that some of it you've paid tax on because it's not deductible. And then the growth inside of there will be taxed one day. Again, I, I know I may be getting in the weeds of this stuff, but you really need to know and you can go to the IRS website and punch it in and to see if your contributions to a traditional IRA are deductible or not. And if they're not, it makes almost zero cents to put money in that as opposed to the Roth. Now, again, if you make too much money, um, you, you may not be able to do a Roth IRA. And that opens up a whole nother discussion with backdoor Roth IRAs, contributing to a traditional IRA and then immediately backdooring it or converting it to a Roth. So there's a whole lot of little nuances you need to know about, but there are ways to get around that income threshold from a Roth standpoint. But again, going back to that traditional IRA, if you have access to a retirement plan through work, it may not be deductible. It all depends on your income threshold. Hmm. Yeah. Something I didn't really think about, but and probably a lot of people don't realize that. So that's, that's good to know. And something you definitely need to consult uh, CPA. And also, you know, when you're working with a financial advisor, figure out what plan works best for you and they'll help you sort through that. I mean, I guess this is something you go through, right? I mean, when people come in with their you know, with their portfolio, maybe you're looking at it for the first time. How how closely are you looking at those IRA accounts to kind of get a better feel for you know those the the tax aspect of it, but also the investments and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal um, because and we like to work closely with with our clients CPAs. If if we don't refer them out to a CPA or they already work with a CPA, 
but working closely with them. I mean, cause there are some limitations on when it comes to taxes and the advice, you know, we can't really give tax advice, but we can say, okay, we know what your income is. Here's what the IRS says that you're between this number and this number. Okay. Here's why we can contribute to either a Roth or a traditional or backdoor it. There's a whole bunch of different nuances to it, but yeah, absolutely. Taking a look at income levels uh, makes a, makes a huge difference because that can really change people's retirement plan because we, we kind of joke, but it's the truth. When people have very large traditional IRAs, again, because it's probably because they contributed to a 401k their entire their entire working life, is is the IRS is the first beneficiary on the <laughs> traditional IRA. I mean, it, it just, it's truth. You know, you can say, oh no, it's my kids or my wife. And, and no, it's not. It's they got to get their cut first. And when they get their cut, then it is distributed elsewhere to your beneficiaries. And then with the with the law changing the end of last year where there's no stretch IRA anymore, that you know, planning around taxation for legacy standpoint really makes a huge difference because you have to take that money out within a 10-year time period. Now, that still holds true with, with Roth IRAs as well, but they're not going to be paying tax on it versus what a traditional IRA would, where you have to take tax out over a shorter period of time as opposed to stretching out over their entire life. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a big planning opportunity while people are alive and a big planning opportunity when they pass away and leave a legacy as well. Yeah, a lot of stuff to consider on this topic, but I would assume this is one of the more important things you need to be discussing with uh, with an advisor if you haven't sat down to to kind of figure out which path you take. Because as you mentioned, I think this is like isn't this as you said the one of the more popular uh, investment tools for for most people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with Roth conversions being an option for a lot of people, they can slowly start moving that traditional IRA money over to a Roth IRA. Again, we still got to pay tax. There's no there's no uh, way to avoid that, but it, it is a way to go ahead and bite the bullet on the taxes, get them over with, and then let that money continue to grow tax-free. So Roth conversions aren't for everyone. It's definitely the hot button topic right now because of, um, you know, markets are obviously down. Now, obviously they've recovered a little bit, but a good time to do a Roth conversion is when the market is lower uh, mm -hmm. because you're ideally long-term perspective, you convert a lower dollar amount. And then once it's over into that Roth, then hopefully when there's a recovery, it goes up and you have a larger amount that you've already paid tax on. So, but also too, people's, um, potentially their income is lower this year. So maybe they're in a lower tax bracket so they could afford to convert more over at the end of the year. And conversions have to be done by 1231. So there's not a huge rush right now, unless people just want to do it because they think the market is maybe at a low, but uh, there is definitely opportunities when, when your income is lower. If you have the cash to write a check to the IRS, Roth conversions make a lot of sense for a lot of people, but they're not for everyone. Something you should look at right now, uh, as Ryan mentioned, where the market is, where the economy is going right now, this is a great opportunity to just evaluate where you stand. Maybe you need to stay in the traditional IRA, but let's see if that's the best route for you. And you can do that by working with Ryan. He's a financial coach over at Black Oak Asset Management and loves sitting down with people to try to figure out what's best for you and your retirement goals. So find him online, blackoakam.com. You can also call him at 470-508-0508 and check out all the tools he has online too. It might be able to help you out with just some general questions, especially when you're talking taxes. There's a retirement rescue toolkit that you can request. He'll send it right to you. A lot of great resources in that in terms of uh, planning out uh, your taxes and, and trying to 
find ways to limit your uh, obligations down the road. That's always a good thing. So a uh, very good conversation. And hopefully you learned a little bit more about traditional versus Roth. But again, if you have more questions and want to go deeper into the subject, because there is a lot more you can get into, uh, feel free to reach out to Ryan. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Going to finish now with a mailbag question, as we usually do. You can always send that in to us, blackoakam.com. Plus, way to get in touch is a contact button on the website. You can find out how to get in touch with us there, and we bring the questions on. Today, we have a question from Marshall. He is in Kennesaw. He writes, I have a variable annuity, and I just found out that the fees are very high. I'd like to move the money somewhere else, but I have to pay a penalty to take it out. Is it worth a penalty to get away from the high fees? That's a great question. Again, there's a lot of particulars that you need to consider really when when people look at, okay, there's extremely high fees. Now, not all variable annuities have high fees, but some have extremely high. I've seen some as high as five and six percent internally. Um, and, and most people don't realize that. So we don't want to just get out of a contract. And that's what an annuity technically is, is a contract. And so we don't want to get out of it just because the fees are high. Now that could be a big reason why, but it doesn't need to be the only one. So we need to really look at, okay, what are our surrender charges if we were to to get out of this contract? And so most variable annuities have a surrender schedule. So each year you have it, it tends to go down. Obviously, that's not a blanket statement because different variable annuities have different surrender schedules. But generally speaking, that's the case. And then after a certain amount of years, there is no surrender schedule, meaning you don't pay any penalty to move the contract. So you need to look at that first and foremost. Okay, if I do uh, have a surrender um, schedule, how long is it? What's the cost? What's my break even if I were to get out of this contract based off the internal fee? So there's a lot of kind of nerdy analysis, if you will, behind the scenes to see if it even makes sense. But you need to see why you got into the contract in the first place. Maybe they have riders. Maybe there's income riders, a living benefit. I mean, there's so many different things with a variable annuity. And I think it gets confusing for a lot of people because there's so many nuances and verbiage that just sometimes doesn't make sense. Like, what in the world does this mean? So either, Marshall, either if you work with an advisor now or an or an annuity salesperson, contact them and, and kind of dig into the weeds of that contract. Or if you don't have one, then then call the carrier, the, the company directly and ask these questions. They'll, they'll tell you, uh, but ask those questions and really find out what what's going on behind the curtain, if you will. Because I would never say a product is bad or a strategy is bad. A variable annuity, it could be a fit for you and what you're trying to accomplish because I've have, I have seen them fit. Now, you hear talking heads out there saying, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And okay, if you look at the fee component, yeah, variable annuities are usually expensive. But what are you trying to do with that variable annuity? So really just make sure you remember why you got into the contract. Uh, and if it doesn't make sense anymore, okay, maybe it does make sense to get out of it. But just know your costs associated with it before you make a decision. Hope that helps, Marshall. You can always get more information from Ryan at uh, blackoakam.com or call him 470-508-0508. And if you have a question you want us to answer here on Perfect Game Retirement, you can always send it in and we will do so down the road. So, Ryan, let's wrap it up on that note. A good conversation and, and good luck to you from that first softball tournament. I hope you guys uh, do well. Yeah, I'm probably more worked up about it than my, <laughs> my daughter is, but uh, that's all right. I, I, I enjoy being out there, and I hope, I hope they do too. Good deal. Well, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, and we'll catch up with you again soon. All right, sounds good.
The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.